Good morning, friends. I'm glad. Hello. Hello. Let's stand together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, let's stand. Let's listen to the familiar story. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged uh, to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no room, no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And so we open our hearts to you, the child of the manger. And we confess that um, most of us in the room are uh, grown-ups who are living in confusion (laughs) and um, lying in bed awake awake, um, some nights and wondering what's going to happen. And so we invite you to fill us with your peace with the confidence in your lordship, and most of all, this morning we invite you to fill us once again with joy. Fill us with joy here at the end of 2020, because I'm afraid we lost it somewhere um, in the calendar. So come, Holy Spirit, right now. We invite you to speak, because your servants are listening. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. You can be seated, guys. Um, Pretty simple this morning. I just want to ask one question that will hopefully help us name and uh, explore a space where uh, we're often scared to go, but I think we... uh, we probably need to go <laughs> during uh, this season. The angel in verse 10 uh, says, do not be afraid because I bring good news to you that will cause great joy for all the people. And the question that I want to ask this morning is, how do I think about the promise of great joy in a world of great sorrow? Like, like it's all well and good to, to hear the, the Christmas angels, their great glad tidings tell. It's all well and good to just read the story and think, oh, yeah, great. That's, but like, 
No joke. Those of us who are actually like yoked ourselves to Jesus, who have heeded his claim on our lives and said, yes, I take this thing seriously and this is the story I want to live in. What does it mean to have great joy and to heed the, 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 the news that's been brought by the angels that there's going to be great joy? We live... Have you, you guys have been living in this year with me, right? It's great sorrow. All the, the church has uh, traditionally focused, we've said this week after week, but the church has traditionally focused on four virtues during the season of Advent. Hope, peace, joy, and love. And um, these are the things that uh, God mysteriously, he, he, he works into us by the power of his spirit while we wait on the arrival of Jesus at Christmas. And so we're reflecting on that third one today, joy. And it's really easy to quote Bible verses about joy. Um, I don't have much patience for this, but it's really easy to just turn to the 15th, 16th, 17th chapter of John, for instance, and to hear Jesus uh, in that fourth gospel during a meal saying, I'm leaving you. I'm, I'm leaving you joy <laughs> is what you're going to have. You're, um, or to flip to Philippians, uh, early Christian leader Paul, um, he's writing about his overflowing joy to the Philippian church and from a Roman jail cell of all places. He says, rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Oh, Give me a break. And again, I say, rejoice. And it's just like, okay. Okay, it's easy to quote Bible verses about joy. Um, we do frequently in the church and pretend like everything's okay. And pretend like we're feeling joy. Um, but according to studies that I was looking up this week, apparently, um, this year, 27% uh, of the U.S. population is grappling with depression this year. That means one in four of us um, I'll get honest, I'll be one, um, or, or struggling with like um, hard-to-shake melancholy or like um, a, a deep kind of sadness of soul somewhere within us that we're like, oh, how do I, I just want to tuck that over here and I want to pretend like everything's okay. I have no patience for uh, quoting um, Bible verses about joy and pretending like we're all okay when one in four of us in the room aren't. Like, you know what I mean? Um, Bible verses that might not actually speak to us where we are. And I just want to name this in the room, this, the entire season of Advent. Um, it's, it's got one eye looking uh, backwards at Christmas, and the season of Advent's also got one eye. It's <laughs> freaky. <laughs> don't look, don't stare, don't stare. But uh, the season of Advent's got another eye looking forward uh, to cosmic Christmas that's coming one day, um, the arrival of Jesus one day in history to make all things right and to recreate the world. And we hear the great grand promises of joy on the lips of an angel. And I just want to say it this way with our split-eyed Advent staring us not in the face because it's not staring at us at all, but Advent gives us the word and gives us the word and by looking both directions. Joy is here and. It's a really helpful word. We don't have a lot of room for it in our culture. And fullness of joy hasn't arrived yet. 
fullness of joy hasn't yet fully arrived. Um, at one point in another letter, it's a really helpful letter, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, um, Paul, the guy who says, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. He also says in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10, if you uh, want to look it up, he says that he is sorrowful and yet always rejoicing. Sorrowful and joy. They are both true. And you have permission to feel both of them during the season of Advent. That's really reassuring because Christians are not one thing. We don't feel just one thing. We are not less than fully human. We are the people of and. Because I don't like pretending that I feel just one thing. I feel just joy when I, in fact, I might be dying on the inside. I have a very difficult time when I'm in a room and I feel like I have to pretend like I'm just one thing. Um, It is a lack of taking Advent seriously. It's jumping to Christmas before the season of Advent is what it is. That's our our lack of Advent, by the way, is um, why most years we hate Christmas music that turns on, flips on right after Thanksgiving because our culture tries to shift into joy like zero to 60 is what it's trying to do. It's like, everything's happy and we're at the end of the year. Will everybody be happy? And it's like, well, we're not we're not. It's, this year has sucked in a lot of ways. It's been hard. It's been hard. I don't know what that was. But it, it's, been, it's been difficult. It's been difficult. And in, in Advent, this space in the church calendar carves out a season of waiting, of naming the fact that, yes, fullness of joy has arrived back there at Christmas, and we await a cosmic Christmas that will make all things new and make the promises of this angel come true on the deepest possible level. Can I get an amen? Yeah, it's a season of waiting where we have, where we wait on the arrival of God in our lives. It gives us permission to say we're, Advent gives us permission to say we're not fully there yet in my life. Advent gives us permission to have honest joy, to admit that we frequently taste both joy and sorrow. It's, it's funny, uh, I think joy is something that like all of us in the room have experienced at some point in our lives, but we'd be really diff- hard to pin down, like define exactly what it is. Um, we'd probably all describe like joy in a little different way. We like some sort of rapturous happiness perhaps, or maybe just like a deep, solid kind of gladness or confidence that like that in the midst of hard things, everything is going to be okay. Like however we define it, um, we've all experienced it a little bit in our lives at some point. For me and my wife, Joy, uh, we would consider the birth of our two girls to be um, some of the deepest joy that we've experienced in our lives at all. Um, Because when you're waiting on a baby to come, those of you who have um, been blessed this way, um, you experience the season of Advent is what you do for 40 weeks. That's what the season of Advent is. You're, You're waiting on the arrival of something. You're anticipating something coming. And then there's like this inexpressible happiness that comes with both of our girls and however we define joy, we were tasting it right there when both of them arrived. It's like, oh my goodness, what the... But within hours of both of them arriving, we also tasted fear. 
and sorrow. And uh, suddenly you're holding this thing and you've got all kinds of new levels of like, oh, goodness, the world. I never knew that people would drive so fast. How are we maniacs out here on the road? Uh, Daphne refused to nurse. Um, at first, she had always a, has had a difficult time eating, but she refused to nurse. Uh, and, um, and so the first, uh, our first night as new parents at all was sent, uh, spent with syringes, um, syringe feeding this child, <laughs> this little handful of pounds of flesh that we're just putting milk. Daisy struggled to um, get oxygen after her uh, birth. And within hours, she was transferred across Denver uh, to the intensive care unit of Children's Hospital. In both of these experiences, um, and, and you guys have your own, um, they, you, you taste moments of like the deepest kind of joy. And at the same time, it's, um, you're tasting something else as well. You taste fear. And sorrow at the same time. Um, bittersweet's a word because it's true. <laughs> it's true in all of our lives. Um, any conversation about joy needs to also acknowledge that none of us have arrived at unfiltered joy like on the rocks, straight. <laughs> yeah, none of us have gotten there yet. We taste joy in a world of sorrow is what we do. And we hunger for more than we taste. We all are hungry for more. We've had little bits of it, and we're like, oh, give me some more of that. It's like we were made for it. It's like we were made for it, and something's gone wrong. I recently uh, got blood work uh, back from... This isn't going anywhere scary. It's going somewhere kind of funny. I recently got blood work. I just have to say that. Uh, I recently got blood work... Routine blood work back from uh, my doctor's office. Everything looks great, except for one thing. Uh, one, One of my cholesterol numbers is just a smidge too high. Just really, it's marginal. Um, my good cholesterol is good. My triglycerides have gone down, actually. They weren't even high to begin with, but they've gone down. But my bad cholesterol has just ticked up a little bit. Nothing crazy. He suggested that it might even be um, stress-related. Has anything stressful happened to you this year? Uh, so we're going to follow up in six months. Um, we're going to follow up in six months, and I started... Um, but I started doing, at the ripe old age of about to be 37, uh, doing whatever I can to nip this in the bud. Uh, I just want to get that number down, whatever I can. Uh, if you were here last week, I struggle with uh, anxiety. So <laughs> we talked about peace. Uh, and so I started doing some research. What can I do? And so um, it turns out that increasing your soluble fiber um, is really helpful here. And so I have added oatmeal to my mornings. Congratulations, Brett. You are oatmeal years old. Um, it, it's literally the first time in my life that I've tried oatmeal. I um, led a sheltered life, I suppose. Um, but you know what? Oatmeal's pretty awesome. It's, um, it's uh, not as awesome as pizza, but, uh, but it's pretty awesome. It's awesome because it sticks with you. It sticks with you for hours after you eat it. It's just, it's like nice because if you're going to the trouble of inviting oatmeal over into your body, then at least you want it to hang around for a little while, you know? Um, Which is, it's nice, but like eventually, even with oatmeal, hunger eventually creeps back in. I think this is a way of um, thinking about joy in this life a little bit because we live in a world where sorrow is always threatening to creep 
back in. It doesn't matter how much we have filled up on joy, uh, how much, how good of an experience it was sticking to us. Um, We have moments of tasting joy, but it doesn't stick around forever, and we're hungry for more, and the sorrow creeps back in. In a a world, in the world as it is now, we have to make um, a habit of feasting on joy, is what we have to do. We have to regularly come back to it and find a place where, like, this is where I get joy. And the season of Advent, actually, it's the nativity itself holds before us the place where we feast, the place where we are fed. No surprise, Sunday school answer, it's Jesus. But um, we're, we were told in this story, Jesus arrives, and where is he placed? Verse 7, he's placed in a manger. You know what a manger is, right? You you walk through the barn and you look for the food trough, the the feed box, the place where you, the the messy, disgusting place where people like slop something for animals to eat. That is the place where Jesus is placed. And we might call it unimportant, like an interesting detail just happened to be thrown in there. An accident of history, perhaps, if Luke only mentioned it once. But Luke mentions it three times, repeating yourself on a scroll when you're etching out on a papyrus with a, with a quill or whatever. In the ancient civilization, it's like minimal space, and these things are expensive. This is the ancient equivalent of bolding and italicizing and underlining something when you repeat yourself. He's placed, verse 7, in a manger. He's lying in a manger. You find him, verse 16, in a manger. Luke is saying, let that sink in, in a manger. (laughs) Ancient literature uh, is full of both Israel and the nations being symbolized as animals. Sheep, and then various unclean kinds of animals. Luke, or Acts 10, Peter has uh, the sheep come down to him, and it's full of unclean peoples, animals. It's like Luke is including this detail, this accident of history, if there are accidents of history. And then he's, he's punching it three times to say, in a world of sorrow, Jesus is where you fill up on joy. The promise of the angel only takes place when you keep coming back to Jesus and filling up, feasting on him. Christians are the ones who take this story seriously. This story and hear God saying, I am coming among you. This, he will be born to you, Christ the Lord. It's what Luke calls him. It's, a, it's the title of Yahweh from the Septuagint, from the, from the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The creator has arrived as one of us and we return to this again and again to what the church has called the mystery of faith, that Christ, He's come, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. The baby laid in a manger, the man executed on the cross, has been raised from the dead, and he's going to transform the world one day and make good on the promise of joy on the rocks. 
joy straight. No, and give me a chaser of joy too. We keep returning to this story, to this promise that the angel is gonna, that, that the angel made, Jesus is gonna make good on his promise of the thing you have tasted and the thing you're wanting to be filled up on, you're going to. Keep clinging to Jesus. That's where you fill up. This is the foundation of joy. My life isn't an accident. My being here does matter. I am not alone. The sorrow will not last forever because Jesus' story doesn't end with crucifixion. And he says that yours won't either. Yours won't either. Throughout my day, I return to this story. In small ways, I'm just, whatever I can do, I'll breathe out a prayer to Jesus and say, Jesus. Sometimes it's just his name. Sometimes I'll sit quietly in, in my car. or my just Not long, it's like two or three minutes. And I'll just like invite the spirit to wake me up to the presence of Jesus. If I'm in a hurry walking somewhere, I've taken a habit of crossing myself in, an ancient, in the ancient tradition. It's not just the property of some of the Romans or the Roman Catholics or the Eastern Orthodox. The entire church gets to do this. You can pray with your body. And I've taken up the, this as saying like a physical centering practice that I can do to say this is who I am. I am marked by the one who says that the cross does not define my life. His cross defines my life and his cross doesn't end in resurrection. In scripture, from, East, from Exodus all the way through Easter, joy, you want to know how the Bible defines joy? Joy is defined by what happens when the people of God recognize and remember that they have been rescued. Whatever we can do, Jesus, whatever we can do, Sitting quietly, whatever we can do to remind ourselves, to ground ourselves in this broken world, in this sorrow-filled world, that this world is Jesus's world. This is Jesus's story that we are living, this mystery that we keep waking up into every single day. It's Jesus's mystery, it's Jesus's story, and Jesus's story ends in joy. And so we keep returning to the manger to be filled up once again by Jesus and let him feed us with himself. That's the picture. Uh, what we're coming to right now, this table that Joe is about to lead us to, it's a picture that Jesus gives us at the end of the Gospel of Luke, actually, to remind us that he never leads the manger. Jesus never leaves the manger. He lives his entire, his entire being is lived in the manger, <laughs> inviting others to feast on him, to be filled up by him. Jesus gives himself to us, to the world on the cross. <laughs> That's the climax of the story. And the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus, he chose the cross, he endured the cross for the joy set before him. And that's, that's honest joy if I've ever heard it. You know, in a world of sorrow, there are crosses. It's, it's hard, but you press through, you endure. And Jesus found joy by sacrificing himself for others. So if you're looking for joy this season, hear the gospel. 
this morning. Your life matters. Your life matters. You are loved by God. That's the, the life of Jesus is for you, and he invites you to believe the good news and to follow him. Come on, come on on this path. I'm going to lead you to joy. And this involves sacrificing for others. It involves carrying a cross. It involves giving ourselves over to um, others. For uh, some of us in the room, it, it pursue counseling. Like, no shame. I've been there like three or four times in my life to like work through things. We take medication if a mental health expert deems it necessary and appropriate. Like because we live in a fallen world with fallen brain chemistry, fallen broken, broken bodies. We exercise and we take care of our bodies as, as best we can. We, but, but beneath all of these things that we can do to like perhaps get like whatever chemicals are involved in joy, dopamine and serotonin, blah, 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 like the foundation beneath it all is what kind of story are we living in? And the story we believe we're living in, Advent and Christmas give us that story. It's a story where sorrow does cast a shadow, but this broken world is Jesus's world, and it's a world that he is healing and it's by his stripes we're healed. So when we taste joy, whenever and where, however you've tasted it, you're tasting the future. You're tasting the future that Jesus is going to bring. You are not going to starve on sorrow. You are going to be filled with joy. Do not be afraid, my friends. I bring you good news. Glad tidings of great joy. He's going to cause great joy for all people. And that includes you. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we don't know how, but we invite you to feed us with yourself. Fill us up with your joy. We ask and we pray in your precious name. Amen.